This is Apartment 303. Didn't they say 304? No, 303. I wrote it down twice. Apartment 303, which I've definitely heard of. Greetings, human beings, and welcome back to Apartment 303, a podcast for community fans. My name is Dave, and alongside my co-host, Dan, we are here every month to discuss all things community, each and every layer of the show, and why we love it so much. On today's episode, Dan and I will be discussing current events, ranking all of the Christmas episodes, and debating how they compare to the other holiday episodes of Community. But before we get to all that exciting stuff, as always, Dan, how have you been, my friend? What have you been up to? Oh, Dave, I've been doing well. We were talking about it a little bit before we started recording. It's been a little chilly, and I like as I, I can say that as an Ohio native being in L.A., because it is, it's one of those weird things when you've lived in two drastically different climates, especially in this country, you don't realize, like, I'm walking around here 40 and 50 degrees and the wind just cuts so much more because there's no humidity and it just feels chillier. Like um, another thing I forgot to tell you, me and a buddy uh, two nights ago, we went to a rooftop screening of Die Hard. So that kind of ties back in as well. Great Christmas movie. Oh, it was so much fun. Like literally like I have, I'll have to send you the photo later, but like we were just to the east of downtown. So it's like we're up on only like a five-story building, but you look to the left and there's like the whole skyline of downtown LA. So it was just a really cool location. And like I, there, it hasn't been said before, but I've heard somebody say like, it's not Christmas Eve or it's not Christmas time until Hans Gruber falls off the Nakatomi building. So it's now officially Christmas because I did see that. So what's uh, how are things with you? New and exciting? Anything fun? Uh, unfortunately, I'm still uh, I'm in the weather region of your historical roots and not your your current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm much closer to Ohio than L.A. Unfortunately, the time of year. Um, the weather's actually been really nice. Uh, we're actually uh, getting uh, the first major storm right now. Uh, it is Polar happening in, in is real time as we record. We're getting. Uh, rain, rain, rain all night, and then it's going to drop to negative eight and freeze, and then we're snow tomorrow. So, oh, um, not That's not not as worst. fun as Die Hard, but winter is officially signaling it's here in our lives as well. More Game of Thrones that winter is now here. So. Yeah, not it's not coming. It it has arrived. It's, it's here. That's <laughs> and that's I can say from experience that's also like one of the worst scenarios is when it does drop that quickly with precipitation like in a short amount of time because then you have all the ice under the snow yes that is definitely the worst part we could we could we could riff on weather forever but i do we've got so much to talk about today uh, i want to get right into it we're going to start off with the segment we've done once ever on the show current events and community but now it's so great to be able to be in a position where there's actually current events about communities to discuss. Right? Like, we're not, don't get me wrong, listeners of the show will know, you know, I'm happy to talk about community that happened 10, 15 years ago ad nauseum, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that there's actually contemporary news happening regarding this is so much more awesome. So. I'm not even sure how you want to handle this. I'm going to pitch you. Uh, do, you do you want to pitch you these news points one at a time, or do you want me to just throw all the news over your head and let you decide where you want to start? Let's do – I like the one by one. Let's do one by one and discuss. Okay, one by one. So uh, the first thing, and basically I'm picking up uh, You know, our last episode. We had a great conversation with uh, Ethan Anderton and Matt from Communities. Uh, we really mm-hmm. got into the announcement and stuff. So kind of picking up from there, but the first thing I want to start with is 
Dan Harmon, shortly after the announcement, basically came out and said, you know, Donald Glover, down to clown. Basically said, yes, he wasn't in the announcement. And and we speculated about this during our last conversation, but it, it's straight from Dan Harmon's mouth. He said, basically, I would not have done this if I thought I wasn't getting Donald. So it seems yes. like, from my perspective, I'm considering Donald Glover confirmed for the movie, even yeah, if I the would. contract isn't necessarily finalized yet. I would as well. It's one of those things, too, especially like the deeper you go into the actual minutia of the Hollywood machine and industry. Like you, you're dealing with various levels, like even Dan Harmon is the person who owns the property like creatively. And I mean, if Sony lets him own the property who has final say of everything, there's a lot of things he's legally not allowed to say until the ink is dry on paper. So him saying that, like, yes, he's involved is basically probably as much, it could be as much as he's legally allowed to say. No, I think that's definitely on point. I've actually, I've got the quote here from Variety. Dan Harmon said, quote, for lack of a better word, there was a ball fumbled. Uh, And I think he's referring to the contract status. Donald Glover is down to clown. And then he continues on to say, I would not want to even think about making the movie without Donald. And that's the thing, too, is like when you say the ball is fumbled, there's literally that it probably has to change hands, either contracts or negotiations or emails. There's probably a chain of no less than five to ten people from him to Donald that have to like sign off that yes this is a good rate yes blah 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 so when you get to that level of what they're trying to put together i mean it makes sense and it makes sense that he probably wasn't in the initial release because he wasn't you know in the last couple of seasons so he didn't and for have legal to technical reasons exactly yeah all more so than spiritual reasons right yeah uh, but it seems like at this point i would be absolutely stunned if donald glover was not in the movie now, I don't know the news points you have in front of you, but can we – do you have one for Yvette? Do you want to Yes, go I was going to actually you – know, you, you are <laughs> – stop wrinkling my brain, okay? Well, I mean <laughs> – I was transitioning there because her situation is basically the exact opposite, right? When she yeah. was asked about it – On the uh, disenchanted red carpet. Yes, exactly. Also mm-hmm. by Variety. She says, I-, I don't know anything about the movie. I literally know nothing was her quote. So – that is a far cry from, well, we haven't heard anything from Donald. All the news we, we know about him has been really from Firsthand. Dan, yeah. uh, not not firsthand. Although I, I'm inclined to take Dan's word for it at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if this... Dan was out there talking about Yvette, we would also probably uh, uh, take his word for it. But it seems like uh, she's not in the loop. I not in the loop, sure, but I have a hunch as well because it's one of those things where she is also much more active on social media. She is very like cultural zeitgeist. She's very much plugged in in general. So I think it wouldn't surprise me if like she just had they hadn't reached out and contacted because I don't I don't think you're going to be that public. Be like, yeah, Donald Glover's coming back, and then just leave Shirley by the wayside. That doesn't make any sense to me. So it's probably one of those things where it's. I guarantee you they'll circle back around to her. I, there's not a doubt in my mind that they would, like, pass her. That just seems strange. Like, I I think it's just one of those, it will happen. It just hasn't happened yet. But it seems like her relationship with the show, since it's gone off the air, is very, very complicated. And I, I, I don't want to speak to her. I don't want to put words in her mouth. But what I have noticed is that 
she seems to kind of have a, a chip on her shoulder from the show. Um, and I don't want to say that she doesn't like community, but it seems like um, she was not very happy with her experience on the show. And I, I, I don't begrudge her for that. I, I wasn't there. Uh, I'm sure it's a very fair thing that she, she thinks it feels. But I'm suffice to say all of this is I'm not super surprised that she has not been brought into the fold yet. Uh, I don't think she's lying. I think she's being 100% honest. I don't think she's, like, secretly on board and saying, I know nothing to, like, pull this great ruse over our, our eyes. But whatever it is, I hope it gets resolved because I would love to see Shirley in the movie. Uh, Shirley's a great character, and I think they could do tons with her. However, I am not confident that's going to happen. I feel like especially given this community around the podcasters and around the show, I, w I tend to give people benefit of the doubt, which is what I was doing in relation to her being on the show. And I, in, and we know she had issues. We, we've heard about the stories with her and Chevy, and we know how that kind of went down just in general. And it's one of those things I still give her the benefit of the doubt because she also was, even if, you know, she left the show for personal reasons to go take care of her ailing father, you know, as, as noble, that's crazy noble. But she still came back for the finale, so there's still... And that's why I think you're, you you sounded a little bit more pessimistic toward it. I I think it's going to be more, even if it's just a prolonged cameo of something, a handful of scenes. I do not think that the, you know, the entire entity of community has seen the last of Shirley. The optimistic side of me wants to wholeheartedly agree with you, right? You know, she she's going to find her way. But mm. Because of how strongly I feel that she feels she is or was undervalued in the show or doesn't like the character, I feel like giving her a half-assed role or a cameo opportunity or something is adding insult to injury. Like, I, mm, I feel I could, like I for, it, yeah. for her, it's all or nothing. I don't think it's like we could just, oh, okay, Shirley could do a scene or like a funny one-off where she's, you know down south making a tv show working oh, for someone awesome. kind of that thing. was such a, that was one of my favorite tags i love that the butcher and the baker oh yes so good. that's exactly say, what i was referring to uh, the but along the baker. those lines i will say this as far as and because i wasn't on that episode where you're talking about shirley i think she was the least realized character i think she had a lot more to offer and she did not get the chance to flex that she deserved i will say that. i think that she thinks we all put her in the chevy category oh god no. when my experience in the fandom has been she is not in that category she's in the category with the rest of everyone else on the show oh, yeah. but so here, here's one reason why I'm ultimately super skeptical that it's going to be worked out with Shirley. And that is because Keith David has basically confirmed that Elroy is going to be in the movie. Oh. So I know it was not a one-for-one -one replacement, even though certainly on air jokes were made about Elroy replacing Shirley. But I think Frankie was more of a Shirley replacement. See, I, and was. I feel that way too. But it, you know, if you ask the dean, uh, th there are other punchlines uh, oh, sure. regarding representation and replacement. Uh, but yeah, no, Elroy. Uh, recent, or, sorry, Keith David recently did an interview with Screen Rant, and they were asking him about it. And unlike Shirley, I who I know nothing, he was he was all in on it. 
he, he was being coy. He was being funny. And ultimately, the quote that I want to share here is uh, he said, quote, as far as I know, when it happens, I'll be there. Like, I liked Elroy because he was smart and reclusive. There are a lot of people like that in the world. Um, and I think it's got to make a difference on the show. I love the character. So he's not saying, yes, I'm in the movie. But mm-hmm. I, as far as I know, when it happens, I'll be there is as much of a confirmation as you can get at this point. That's more than we've got from Donald, who we just discussed. We're almost positive will be in the movie. And it's night and day different than what we heard from Yvette Nicole Brown. I, I, I know nothing, right? See, the funny thing is... If if I'm if I'm listening to that quote and what he's saying, and I'm thinking about Yvette's quote from Disenchanted, they are kind of what you were saying. They are two sides of the same coin. Neither one of those people have heard Yvette or Keith. Neither one know. And basically, Keith is throwing his hat into the ring, saying, "You need me. I'm there." Like he, he said that publicly. Yvette saying, "I haven't heard anything," is also true. But like you were saying, could be coming from more of a place of bitterness. So you think it's really just an issue of attitude at this point? Like, <laughs> I mean, maybe attitude, but like, if I I understand that, like from Yvette's point of view, like I understand if you you were a core cast member for four and a half, five seasons, and to like not be included on the ground floor of that creative process. Granted, it was mostly Joel like driving the train, really getting those things going behind the scenes, as far as we know, and. Like I can, I can understand being bitter if you're like not involved. Like after the uh, after the Zoom table read, like when they said like that. Oh, you know, after seeing how that went, the chemistry is still there. Seeing what the, you know, the temperature is in the room where people would actually be responding to it. Then the show going to Netflix. Like there's a lot of variables that they kind of had to see. Like, you know that I I kind of think about it this way. You know that scene in Infinity War where you have all the rings lining up and that's how Thor has to make the hammer? That's kind of how it is making a movie, like, except there's infinitely more rings than just, like, five. And especially something like this that already has such a backstory and such a groundswell for the actual movie. Like, so, just, and I know I'm getting a little into the weeds here, but I, I attitude, I think, is a is one way to view it, but I also think, like, I think, you know, she has a right to be bitter. I agree. I do think she has a right to be bitter. Uh, I might disagree on the degree of that bitterness, but at the end of the day, you know, she's got a lot more say over it than I do, and I respect that, and we'll give her that. Uh, Okay, so last current events. I can't believe we're we're 15 minutes in the show, and we're still on current events. This is so awesome. (laughs) Have you met us? We're Uh, long-winded. But it's great. There's actually things happening in community. I know, right? Uh, so Dan Harmon was recently interviewed by our friend Alex Berdai in front of the podcast. Um, before you joined the show, Alex was Six on our podcast, podcast. Uh, when we first did our first bracketology. He came on. He was our guest when we went through the season one bracket um, during season two of our show. Uh, he is the host of Six Seasons in a Podcast, which has always been the most successful podcast about community. And he had the opportunity recently to sit down with Dan Harmon, something he's been angling for forever. Uh, and I'm so happy that he got a chance to do so very, very recently. Uh, yesterday. This week, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, literally yesterday, December 21st, <laughs> we're recording on the 22nd, so literally yesterday, uh, Newsweek ran the article. Uh, basically pulling out excerpts from Alex's interview with Dan 
on the podcast. Leak that to Newsweek? Like, who does he know? Jeez. (laughs) I know. Absolutely amazing. Uh, But what I wanted to pull out of that interview, and I'm sure we're going to have plenty of time to go through it and pick apart every word as it unfolds, but Dan basically was saying, like, you know, don't expect paintball. Don't expect D&D. Like, don't expect a bottle episode. This is not going to be that. If if that's what you're looking for in the community movie... the format of a movie does not lend itself mm-hmm. to that, right? You, is is that the end of the quote? Yes. Well, that wasn't okay. a quote. That that was very much a paraphrase, but yes. Yeah. But do you, do you want to hear what my reaction? Absolutely. Good. <laughs> yes, I agree. No, I think that's it's, fine. It's one of those things where it's like, and especially like you, if you, and, and even doing this list, once we transition into that, like I'll touch, I'll come back around to it, is... One of the reasons the show is so good is because it doesn't fall into those tropes of repeating itself. Like if it does something, it thinks it, it, it they do it in a way that can make it new and fresh and it's always entertaining and exciting for a different reason. Like they're not going to take their greatest hits and just put them on a screen and then call it a movie. So that's why when he's like, if this is what you want, like it would not surprise me one iota to be like, go in and then all of a sudden, because I remember hearing uh, a couple of years ago that there was a a rough outline where they were literally because there's that Krylon that says uh, LeVar Burton and non-celebrity guests get kidnapped by pirates like it would not surprise me if there was literally a swashbuckling adventure to go save Troy like I know LeVar be Burton was a hard amazing. no <laughs> yeah I actually have that in my notes because it pops up in one of the episodes we're going to talk about sorry I'm not reading no, ahead I apologize no no it's okay it, but it's just one of those things where it's like We've trusted Dan as a creator for so long, especially with the property that's come to meant so much to so many people, and especially in the space that we're currently in and conversing about. We'll get to it later on once we start talking about these holiday episodes because it ties back in. But like, honestly, some of the paintballs have started to fall off for me. I don't hold them in such high regard. Like people who were just getting into the series, like if that's your gateway, awesome. But it's one of those things like I don't go back to watch them as many as no, I they're they're absolutely iconic, but not my favorite episodes mm-hmm. i mean second tier for sure absolutely and, and oh, yeah. nothing bad to say about them There's for the most part exactly. uh but yeah if i start just rambling off my all-time favorites it, it takes a minute for those to show up mm-hmm. but a, a lot of that also speaks to how good the whole series exactly. is right it's not so, it's not in a vacuum yeah in dan we trust exactly in our first season on apartment 303 uh we had an episode Actually, the final episode of our first season was regionals, and we used that episode to discuss the Christmas episodes, uh, what we're about to do here. However, uh, that was season one, and uh, that was Adam and Scott. Uh, I was still very much the producer. Uh, I I did not step out from the booth to host on that episode. Uh, You hadn't joined the show yet. We had a guest. It was uh, Dom from the Dom and Andre in the Morning podcast. Awesome guest. Love Dom. Uh, Been on the show twice. So we did that, and then as you and I were talking, it was like, I, you know, I really want to do this. I haven't gotten to share my opinions about the Christmas episode. Well, there you, go. you haven't gotten to share. And then I wanted to also, <laughs> I'm not sure how crazy this is going to get, but <laughs> you know, once we had brought up the Christmas point, I mentioned to you, you know, I'd also kind of like to consider how they stack up against the other holiday episodes because, you know, and this isn't necessarily exclusive to community. But there are a lot of holiday episodes in Community. Twelve by my count. Eleven by yours. And we'll get to that. Eleven by mine. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, whether it's eleven or twelve, that's a substantial amount of holiday episodes for a show. 
Right. So without further ado, let's let's just get right into the Christmas episodes. I don't have a, a crazy master plan on how I want to unfold this conversation, but I mean, unless um, you wanted to do it as like a full on twelve, and we count them down backwards, but that's up to you. I feel like that might be less than an ideal listening experience. Okay. Uh, so let's let's start with a four, okay. uh, and then expand it uh, outward. I feel like that's the way forward here. But I do Sounds like good. your suggestion of counting backwards from the end. So let's yeah. get into the Christmas episodes specifically. Out of the four Christmas episodes, that's what you got, right? You counted four Christmas episodes? Yes, correct. Okay. Four Christmases. Because uh, by my math, seasons five and six don't have Christmas episodes or any holiday no, episodes. No holiday episodes. Okay. Only one birthday episode. <laughs> I was kind of hoping you were going to come back to me with like one I missed, but <laughs> I was pretty sure that wasn't going to happen. I did as well, but it was also one of those things where it was like, they made, I can't pull the episode top of my head, um, but Abed makes a joke about it at some point that there are no holiday episodes in the later seasons. So, with that all being said, tell me why Intro to Knots is number four. <laughs> <laughs> so, full disclosure, we did not discuss that. No, uh, we. It, that has always been the format on this show. Our <laughs> listeners will know, like, Adam and I didn't discuss these things beforehand. Like, the truth is you the know, truth. It's, so. it's, you're, you're, you're dead on. Um, I'm sitting here looking, because I have my ranking of 12, and it's really easy to look at my ranking of 12 and... Because there's a clump of Christmas, and then there's a big gap of a lot of other holidays, and then Intro to Knots is sitting there right at the bottom at number uh, 12. I, I, I broke my list of 12 into four tiers, and this is in my bottom tier. So oh, yeah. It's, it's one of those things, and like I took a bunch of notes on this, and so first off, from a technical point of view, it starts with a wonder. And if you know anything about like how you execute filming in television or film, one takes are interesting, they're fun, you get a lot of fluidity in storytelling, and this is a perfect example of a 100% unnecessary wonder. There is no point to that shot other than, let's see if we can do it. It would have told the same story if you cut it up and edited like a normal episode as a part, you know, in addition to all the characters just arriving, because that's pretty much what you see. And then it also dawned on me about three, four minutes into this, watching this episode again, it's a bottle episode. It does get which, points for that. that. I actually had that in the pros column for this episode, not the cons column. I, I just put them all together. I just made notes. I didn't do pro or con. But it was one of those things, too. It's like I feel there were a couple things that they brought up in this episode that really didn't pay off. Like Malcolm McDowell, Like I feel like you could have done so much more with his character so just under, in general. You, Malcolm McDowell is such a great actor. Like they could have done so much more with him. He has, yeah, he, he literally has nothing to do. Also, this is, I wrote down, like, outside of maybe one or two jokes, this is the only time the Dean being next door to Jeff pays off all season, I think. Like, and yet, I left the episode wishing that there was more Dean in it. Like, and it's, I, I feel I, like they just threw him in in one obligatory scene. And and then kitties, yeah. Or puppies. Puppies, oh, kitties. No, kitties. Yeah. That, that, um, that, that's a good one. That That's a really good one. <laughs> but but it was it was kind of funny. The the one thing I did like about the Dean being next door and uh, them all being super worried that he was tied up when he does show up with the cats and then he's tied up again and he doesn't give a shit. That's yeah. probably the, that's <laughs> one of the best jokes where he just looks over and he's like, hi. And like, yeah. he keeps going on. With what he's By the t- yeah. By the time he actually notices, it's a complete non-issue. It's very casual. <laughs> it's yeah. It just this this whole Christmas episode. It feels like they're trying so hard to make 
to make something that doesn't even really need to be there. Like most of the the notes that I wrote down or or just the the runners that pop up again where like Troy goes, I'm pretty sure it's anus and um I don't understand why this episode doesn't work. It's a I don't hate the premise. I think the premise is pretty good. Like I think that sets up for a good bottle episode on paper. Like they kidnap a professor, hilarity ensues. It's just the execution leaves me wanting and then they end the whole episode with Changnesia. And so, in, like, in I, I just put it out of my mind yeah. until they refer to him as Kevin during the episode. Like, I completely had it out of my mind. I, I don't even, I don't even, like, the Changnesia is one of those through lines of season four. I didn't really mind. I thought that was kind of funny and interesting. And okay, in good. Episode, we do have something to fight about. That's good to know. <laughs> I mean, it's, when, whenever we get to it, I, we're not going to talk about the MacGuffin Institute in this episode. That'll be a different episode. But well, I want to do a complete. I feel like the MacGuffin Institute deserves a one-off. To be do you honest. want? Do you want to do a full uh, change <laughs> yes. episode later on? Yes, okay. I think that deserves its own focused uh, story arc. We will, here we will dive into season four, so you don't have to, listener. There you um, go. So, and I mean, it's and that's what I even wrote down. Like the weird ham-fisted. I, I this is from my notes verbatim. Weird ham-fisted quote-unquote lesson that the gift doesn't create obligation; it's the obligation that's the gift. And then I wrote, which doesn't even really make sense like they tried to end it all sweet and then annie says that and i'm looking and i'm like what and that's supposed to be like the the final sweet thing and i'm like weird like it just it didn't none like barely anything landed in this episode at all outside of like the runners that we already knew Um, i know i know it's easy to shit on season four but uh, i do want to say later in this conversation there is an episode from season four we're going to talk about that i am a pretty big fan of so uh, i i'm wondering and it's that's one of the reasons i wanted to talk full ranking because i'm wondering i'm curious if it's my same one from season four i got a hunch it is i don't know so that's that that's your number four for the christmas episode oh yeah okay that's my number four and again i i there are a lot of episodes of Community I like less than this. Well, maybe not a lot. There there are episodes of Community I like less than this uh, intro to Nods. But it just didn't land for me. And I, I agree. And I think that because they chose not to... Like, they, it, it became a fairly superficial episode where it's like they're talking about the grades. And I think that's one of the things the show always did so really well was grounding things in humanity and, like, making fully well-rounded characters. I think... There was a chance to do it, and in Cornwallis's very end, end of his, like his speech, like after he reveals or it's revealed that he was never really tied up, and he was like something about not updating his suicide note and avoiding his daughter. Like there were glimpses where you could have made this more. I would have accepted the story more if the characters had more to do and were more fleshed out. Other than how do we get an A? Because that just seems very that seems very sitcommy and very sticky to me. And that's one thing that like. If community was ever leaning into the sitcom side of things, and that's kind of a theme as I was watching these episodes, if it ever leaned into it, there was a point or there was a payoff or they were doing something that had been done before, but in a slightly different way. And this would just kind of felt it fell flat. Yeah, it had a lot of promise. I, yeah. and I enjoy them. They even introduced in this episode um, the idea of Annie competing with Shirley for valedictorian which yeah. I mean, later on we find out Leonard is actually their competition. Mm-hmm. but And so I thought that was good. So, again, for me, this episode is full of promise. Uh, 
in in should have been better than it was. That I was think that, real quick. That was probably one of the best bits in the whole episode where Annie's trying to figure out who the other valedictorian <laughs> is, and she doesn't get to Shirley, and she goes, "Oh my God, Britta!" Like I've been to everybody, <laughs> like that was one of the best bits. There are a lot of times Shirley is offended, and I'm like, "Is that really offensive?" I. This this was not one of those times. Like yeah, surely totally, had every totally right to be it, as totally offended as humanly possible yeah. during that uh sir wait, you, you, you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so here's where things get really interesting, right? Uh, because sure. for me for anyone I've talked to about the holiday episodes of community, obviously like we've established we we kept ourselves pure going into this recording. You and I have not discussed these episodes. But it seems like to me there's there are three Christmas episodes that are very, very, very close and then a huge gaping chasm and then intro to knots. Yes, so exactly. Maybe you don't feel the same way. Maybe you do. I, uh, no, you you literally know. <laughs> I will I will tip my hat a little bit beforehand, but like I said, there was a clump on my But, of 12, but basically the other three episodes. like oh, they're so good. They're so good. There's basically no order you could put them in that would genuinely upset me. But I am very eager to hear your reasoning and your ranking. So, Dan, tell me, what is your number three? What is your third favorite Christmas episode of Community? My number three favorite episode of Christmas Christmas in Community is uh, Comparative Religion. Um, I'm excited, and not because I agree with you. <laughs> that's fair. Um, and it's it, I think it's because the, just two of the other ones, we'll get to it, but like, and it's this is way we'll we'll talk about my ranking of twelve later, but this is this is way high up on my ranking of twelve. So the fact that it's three out of four in Christmas does not detract from how good of a quality this episode is. Cause even even from Go, like to see Anthony Michael Hall just come on to set and chew all of the scenery imagine like see him. I, I I hate the eighties. I don't even oh, I didn't even know it's... who that was. I, I love it. That character is so good. <laughs> so funny. Like, I literally, in, even in the notes, I wrote, knock, knock, my fist up your yes. balls. Like, <laughs> no, until Scott mentioned that in the show, I didn't even realize he was, like, a famous actor from the 80s. Like, I just thought he was an awesome extra on the show. <laughs> but this is even a good example of how the show, like I say, doing sitcom stuff, but in a different way, where it's, you know, Shirley says she's accepting of all religions, and she's a Christian, and then all the other religions are listed, and she goes, the Lord is testing me. And it's like... <laughs> If you really unpack that, they're saying a lot in about 20 seconds worth of screen time. That might be my favorite Shirley line in the show. Like, it's, it's so good. This is an episode that looks very sitcom-y on the surface, but then when you unpack it, there's a lot there. Like, from Jeff trying to learn how to fight and, like, the joke of, like, they don't know how to get out of saying fighting. Fighting. We're fighting. You're right. It is hard to say another word. And then I will say there is one joke I think that to this day in 2022 we have to we have to acknowledge it doesn't hold up where Jeff says religion is like Paul Rudd oh God. because it's a great <laughs> joke so but good. I think we all have realized now people will 100% line up for Paul Rudd. <laughs> so what we know now is he doesn't believe in Paul Rudd. But it's okay cuz Paul Rudd believes in him. Anytime Jeff gets booed on the show I love like anytime he tries his shit, they just oh, don't have it. I love that. We will we will get to that with another one of the holiday yes, episodes because that's, that's one of my favorite today. moments. Um, oh, I also did catch at the end of season one where they make the joke that uh, Chang is gonna kill Annie, and he's using <laughs> with the, the guitar. <laughs> This is where I, I just caught for the first time. This is where her no came from because she screams no when Chang comes in and says, 
you like you're you all passed except Jeff, and then she screams no, <laughs> and that's the no that is sampled for the guitar. And then which yay. I'd never caught before. <laughs> yay yeah. by Jeff as Spanish. You being our but, Spanish teacher. <laughs> yeah, but you have that. You have the it's December tenth, which is another yes. great runner. December tenth um, is like a legit holiday in my life now because of the show community. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you keep going here because there there are only four. So what, 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 okay. what's your number two? My number two is Abed's uncontrollable Christmas. Okay. So this is one of those ones where when you're describing the show to people who are not familiar with Community and you get to Abed's uncontrollable Christmas, they're like, wait, that shouldn't work, and then you watch it and it does. And the reason it's two and not one is because. I think I just like one, the one I have above it better. Oh, and I did catch, this was the first time, this is also how layered the show is. I caught another joke. I don't know how many times I've rewatched the show or individual episodes where I wrote down the first catch of this joke when they first start walking through Carol Canyon where all the plants are singing Christmas songs. Pierce asks, will it cost a lot to walk through here? And Abed says, no, it's public domain. <clears throat> And I was like, oh my god, that was that was beyond a blink and you miss it joke. Like it's also one of those things, like I've I've seen the show so much that um it's trying to unpack it all. I think an Abed's uncontrollable Christmas is one of those ones where it's like, here's the heart on the sleeve, you're really gonna see everything about these characters very immediately. Yeah, so I, I, was I hadn't to, caught that. That's a good catch. I was trying to watch it through a point of view and I was trying to think about it. Because the show, this particular episode, is all from Abed's point of view, which, you know, every other episode is all of the characters. So I'm trying to think about all these characters are literally just sitting around a study table and they're trying to communicate and relate to their friend. So, and especially like making a Duncan into a villain, which was also pretty interesting and a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And I said stop motion being extremely meta since the medium itself is very closed, like you're locked in, like it's not like you could have... Joel or Donald just riffing jokes because you can't because everything's been animated for months at this point. And another one is like it's it, it's funny how a lot of these episodes start with a emphasis on the Dean not leaning into the holidays. And this is a good example of that because they have designated holiday zones in the beginning of it. And then oh, and the just whole, to be safe. <laughs> yeah, just to be safe. And the whole episode revolves around Abed's parents that have now been separated. They were together in the beginning of the first season, and they're now divorced because his mom has a new family. So the entire thing was, like I was saying, one of the reasons the season four Christmas episode fell flat. Because there was no rooting into reality outside of like, oh, we want an A. But no, this is Abed actually trying to process trauma. And that's again, like you were yeah, saying. Yeah, no, this is like intro to film levels of like really serious character development for Hobbit. I, I also wrote down that this particular episode is a fantastic precursor to the Dreamatorium. I mean, at this point, obviously, we can deduce your number one we favorite can. Christmas episode of Community. Do you want to uh, make the case for that first, or do you want me to start uh, ha hashing out my, my opinions I was going to say, do you want me to make the case for it, or do you just want to tell me why you have it third highest, or how do you want to do this? I have so it I second. I have it second. Okay, okay. I have regional second. So um, we're not, like I said, I there's tier three. Yeah. You know, if you had intro to DOS number one, this was going to get up. But there's pretty much no order that you could have or could not have put the other three episodes in that would have really offended me. I think they're all 
amazing episodes. And we can we'll finish it out, and then we can <laughs> hop over to do your top three because I already right. I already Sounds you good. know babbled on about it a little bit. And I think the reason this becomes number one as far as the Christmas episodes go for me is because I think far and away it has the most quotable lines. Because I don't know how many times like me and my best friend have just gone around going Wayne Hoodie understandy Christmas like. <laughs> Just, some of them are so dumb and they just make me so happy. I don't know how many times online I've used the gif from Abed in this episode where he goes, I guess I just like liking things. And it's such a earnest, like, even though he's like technically brainwashed at that point, he's like, I guess I just like like liking things. It's so It's great. such a um, good, yeah, no, I, lo- I love that. They describe um, Taron Killam's character as equal parts Hanson and Manson, which is really funny. Um, I tried to take notes of like the things that I again hadn't seen before. I said the I called it the OG Glee Club, but it's the only one we see on screen that's not the study group. That they're so aggressive, like it's almost distractingly aggressive. And then you have the invasion of the body snatchers homage, and it's probably Mr. Rat also delivers the most aggressive. You are the worst in the entire <laughs> series. And then all the hey, you don't get to call her the worst. Like maybe maybe that's why this ultimately brings in it too for me. I you know how much I identify with Britta, you know, oh, in, in terms in of the characters of the show. And this is <laughs> this is not a very uh, Britta supportive episode. It's adorable. Anyway, she's <laughs> gonna be a tree. That's a great transition. I love that transition. Yeah. Okay, so my number four, big surprise. Hold on, hold your breath. Intro to Knots. It was Intro um, to Knots, yeah. Compared to these other three Christmas episodes, it's just not in the same discussion. My number three is actually Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. Oh. I enjoy the episode uh, a lot. For me, it just doesn't reach the heights of the other two Christmas episodes in terms of comedy and rewatchability. I think it's a great episode. Mm. It's uh, very wholesome. It it fills me with warm fuzzies. I'll never skip it. But it doesn't have the humor. Much you know, you had mentioned uh, it, you know in your last uh, analysis here, uh, mm-hmm. repetitive or uh, quotable lines, you know, one-liners, things of that nature. This episode doesn't really have that. Any episode that features Duncan. Uh, does get bonus points for me. I absolutely love John Oliver in this show. I love the character of Duncan. It's really hard to go wrong when he's in an episode. And I do love, I, I love this episode. But for me, it falls short of the other two. I get it. And I think it's one of those things where the, when, you, when you're thinking about the execution of this episode, or of the show, I think this, this very much was trying to accomplish something that not a lot of other episodes did and in that they were trying to not only use the medium but also pay homage to those types of stories and those types of stories inherently are not they're not normally a community the fact that it works as well as it does i think is a absolute you know badge of honor for the show because this episode could have fallen on it on its face but it is also an outlier to where you, you try to keep it and ground it in the show where you're having the character, the only character who could see everything like this outside of Troy, but it had to be suggested for him. So it's, it, like, you you bring up great points. It's not as funny as a lot of the other episodes. Definitely not as funny as some of the other Christmas episodes. And it's, the rewatchability, I think, is there, but it's also, it's, I the fact that it's such an achievement, but it's also just different in feel and tone and scope than all the other Christmas episodes. It really is, and I, I, I could never take that away from it. 
Okay, here's where things are going to get interesting, and I think we might have a little bit of a back and forth. We get to the one and two. Your number three was comparative religion, right? Mm. If, if, if I'm keeping score correctly here at home. You are. Okay. My number, my number two was regionals. I have mm-hmm. comparative religion as my number one. That's impressive. I can't, you know, I have no, like you said, shuffling those top yeah, three. Yeah, no, those top three, they're really hard. argue. So, regional holiday music for me. All-time episodes. Love close. it. it they this it's close, It's a Pierce. great episode. The regional's joke in of itself will, will sustain itself through my dying days, I am quite certain. <laughs> like, this will <laughs> always have a place in my heart. I love Terry Kilman that episode, and I think that episode reaches some high heights that these other episodes can only aspire to. But you already kind of uh, started to get into it a second ago. Mm-hmm. With this episode, I cannot watch that scene. I cannot watch it. It is so cringe. Oh, for Annie? It is one of my least favorite scenes in the entire show. It wasn't so over the top. Yeah. Like, it's so over the top. It's not that I don't get what they were trying to do. It's just that it missed for me in every single way. Like, okay, you want to get, like, I love the episode. I love the premise. Everyone's getting everyone in. I love the Christmas rap. uh, The Christmas Mm -hmm. rap and. (laughs) <laughs> when they get Shirley in with the choir, the kids are like, yeah. what time of year is it? You know, is it, is there anyone who might have, like, get, <laughs> sacrificed themselves yeah. and had a birthday? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So funny. <laughs> Absolutely love it. But when it comes to the, like, if you're going to seduce Jeff into the team, be sexy. So the two things I like that make me cringe the most are the 50s and people talking like babies. <laughs> so it's probably no surprise that this, like, it doesn't just miss for me. It's not a deal breaker. Like, I will watch the episode, but I seriously mute or fast forward through that scene now. That's how much I cannot watch. It is unwatchable for me. It, this is And this is why I think it's amusing because, and like I said, and I'm sure you've done this too, but if you listen to the commentaries for it, because in season one, you have uh, when the Jack Black episode happens where they go, Annie's pretty young, we try not to sexualize her. But they've sexualized her the whole show. Exactly. But that's the thing is like, so in the commentary for the Glee episode, they're aware of that thing. And Dan goes, Dan, on the commentary, Dan Harmon goes, yeah, well, I have a house payment to make. So... <laughs> the acknowledgement of what they were doing, and I think you can get away with it too. I understand, but it's your, not your... sexy. I'm not just mad that's, that like they're sexualizing why. Annie. Like, see, that's the thing gross. is I don't think, and they talk <laughs> about it through many different episodes and the commentaries and whatnot. But like, and I think to me that's why it's so funny because it's not sexy, and they're trying to make it sexy. And even Jeff calling it out in the moment is you know doubling down on that. I'm I'm always gonna love that type of meta. No, Jeff called like, out the diminishing return specifically, not but, the entire premise. It's sold as that Jeff is initially buying into it. Like his complaint is that like she took it too far. Not that it yes. was off base to begin with. But that's but that's why it works for me is because they start at the <laughs> same point. They're both there for the same reasons. Like she's to, there to seduce him into Glee Club and he is there to be seduced. And then the graph, she just goes to the exponential at degree and then know. Jeff falls off a cliff with his interest. Because <laughs> even in the middle where he goes, is they, this a bit like They had other options. Like, I mean, you know, there are other stupid Christmas songs that you can sing as sexy. Santa Baby 
Like, it's cold outside. Like, but that's why I think it works is because it's funny. <laughs> I think if she stays too sexy, I think that doesn't work at all. I think, like you said, that becomes. I think it's more cringy if they take it seriously as opposed to. That's why the bit works because she doesn't know how to seduce somebody, and so she's just going into like, oh, they like baby talk, and I'm just gonna get dumber as the song goes on. Boopy doopy doop boop sex. Yeah, I, I cannot watch it. <laughs> Although I, love it. I will I love give it. you points for the ending. It's very good. So that was your your two. So then your favorite Christmas episode. Yes, it's compared to religion, and so I've said a couple negative things about you know regionals, but like, I love that episode. It, it's a mm-hmm. great. You know, for me, it's an episode that has a lot of high heights. We're going to get into my number one right after this, okay. which for me, Comparative Religion is an episode that actually has a consistently building storyline and enjoyment factor. Like for me, sure. Comparative Religion is an episode that builds and builds and builds and builds and the and pays the fuck off. Yeah. Whereas Regional Holiday Music is an episode that is kind of a story in six parts that has six different peaks. More, it's at a various musical. heights, right? Like regional Holiday Music is, <laughs> and I, I think that's one of the reasons. Like, I, I grew up watching a lot of musicals, and it's, it had always been like a not a white whale, but there were. That's why I need glee- you on this show. <laughs> yeah, but there were always glee jokes in Community, like when Slater breaks up with him and Jeff breaks down at the end of that episode. He goes, "We always watch the show she wanted to watch. I hate Glee." And I think that was, if I remember correctly, it was either they were filming like near the same lot or... They no, were Dan like, Harmon hated him. Glee. That, okay. That's what I've read. And that he, he tried to use his medium to express that. So I mean, this was successful. all Dan Harmon taking shots at Glee because he hated it. That That's my interpretation. Oh, yeah, because it, and it happens in the original... Which for um, me is actually points in the pro column. <laughs> agreed. And in the original paintball, when they're like, Glee Club is in the trees, and they're singing the songs, and then they shoot the trees, and then you hear Jeff yell, write some original songs. But I mean, if you don't like musicals, then that makes sense. The fact that it made it as number two on your Christmas episode says a lot about, like, how you feel about them. That no, absolutely. Like I said, I think it has, mm-hmm. you know, five or six peaks that are, that are very high. Uh, but for me, compared to religion, is my number one. And it has the aspect of you building and building and building and building. Mm-hmm. And it's also kind of got that season one thing going for it where they don't have all the established history. This is one of the first times where, you know, a lot of banding together is metaphorically, you know, learning to fight, right? But mm-hmm. they're literally trying to teach them how to fight in this episode. And even hitting on it, even outside of the joke where, you know, Troy and Jeff can't not say fighting, which is one of my absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, that really is hard <laughs> to think of another word. And it's it's also like they, they this is, I wrote they, this down, this is, go ahead. They all come together at the well, end. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's one of the early examples of like, it, it could have very easily, like, you think he's going to wing her speech his way out of there. You think it's going to be a sitcom ending. He's going to smooth things over the bully. No, instead, nope. he gets punched in the face a he lot. Gets, <laughs> he gets punched in the stomach. He gets punched in the face. And then there's parkour fighting while there's snow being blown around. Like, And it's a good example of an early on establishment from the show of it's like, it's a sitcom, but we're not your regular sitcom. This whole season one, you're, you're kind of getting warmed with the idea of, like, these people are, you know, metaphorically banding together to fight as a team. And then, like, mm-hmm. in this episode, they literally do it. Exactly. And they, they've got the one-on-ones and the one-liners. And, like, you know, what he just said, Jeff gets punched. Pierce 
is the last person I think who punches Jeff in the face, but as Jeff mentions later on, he got hit like four times before that in the face. They do bring back uh, Anthony Michael Hall in the beginning of uh, Paintball 2 in the Western. (laughs) Yeah. So he's like, there's only one rule, Fat Neil. That is probably my favorite bully character in TV. Like, dude, if you're trying to be menacing, maybe don't call the cookie by its name. (laughs) Give me a winner doodle. My whole life is a gym. Like, every yeah, single line is absolute gold. And I love Britta. This, this is an episode. In season one, it's really hard for Britta to, to not just be the absolute stereotype. But in this, she just kind of gets to laugh about how gay fighting is. Yeah, right. And be, it kind fun. of, she's kind of right the whole time. She's not wrong. <laughs> she's not sure, wrong. That's sure a better way boys. to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting punked, right? <laughs> yeah. But that doesn't stop her from... Get you know fighting when it's time to roll. Like she oh, gets yeah. down and dirty with the rest of them, and you know, I mean, she you know she fights the the woman in their crew. But from the, from the scenes I've seen, she whoops some pretty serious ass. So yeah, she's got her friends' backs. And then the the nice little so then you get a little bit of a hint at the musical at the end of that episode where you have Shirley singing the non-religious version of Silent Night. Oh God! <laughs> in stark contrast to. Uh, earlier in the episode when she's the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and hiding the menorah in the tree. Say the whole word. No, it's <laughs> there are no misses for me in this. And it's a great build. It's a great payoff. And for me, it's an absolutely perfect ending to season one, part one, right? Yeah, like, mid-season. Mm-hmm. Season one, part one was a little shaky. It, it had some good, it had some bad, but like this episode left me wanting more community. Like, come back, finish your season, have a second season. Uh, oh, for sure. But like I said, it, these these top three are all very, very, very close for me. I know that's kind of a cop-out, but they're all really great episodes. We've been hacking at this for almost an hour now, so I don't want to do a full deep dive. I think there's actually room for us to uh, potentially deep dive into some of these uh, Valentine's Day episodes uh, here in a couple months once February comes up. Uh, But just kind of as a quick off here, before we wrap up this discussion, now that we've Mm -hmm. gotten the Christmas episode specifically out there and on the table, let's, let's wrap this up by talking about you know, kind of how these compare to the other holiday episodes. Because as we said off the top, Community is a show that has a ton, 12, 12 holiday episodes, even though there are none in the last two seasons. So how do these episodes, I, I, I don't know, you, you, you can you can take this whichever direction you want, but, you know, if you want to do a 12 to 1, we, we, we can do that. If you want to just kind of go off the cuff, that's also fine. But how, how do the Christmas episodes compare to the other holiday episodes for you? We'll save a little bit because you said we could do Valentine's Day soon because that's coming up in two months. So those, those, there's actually a lot to pull from there. I was surprised in rewatching like how good, especially those two, held those up. Those two episodes um, rank pretty high for me. Same, and so that's where, like, as we're looking at it right now, because I sent you the the like full tabulation of what holidays, and I think it was for Christmas, for Halloween, two Valentine's Days, and then one of each. Thanksgiving, uh, April Fools, and Thanksgiving. Or I already said Thanksgiving. Yes. No, that's what, it. Whatever we got to, there was like one other. What am I missing? I don't remember. 
No, 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 you got it. It's oh, it's okay. mostly Halloween, Christmas, and Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, you got me. It, I, so no, it's Halloween, Valentine's Day, and Christmas. But then yes. there are also two episodes: one that take place on Thanksgiving, and one on April Fool's. One Day, Thanksgiving, is, one April yeah, Fool's. That's what it was. I couldn't I couldn't get all that. Yeah. So, but that being said, I the only thing we and we don't have to talk because the Valentines are like mid to high on my list. Uh, and I like the Halloween ones, but, and, and we said earlier, like Intro to Knots, why was that number 12? Because it was both of our number 12s. And you were at least alluding, and I'll, I don't want to go through the whole list because we could, and it's, uh, it's Intro fun, to Knots is, is, is my number 10 out of 12, just for the record. <laughs> it's my 12 out of 12. It, it's my 4 out of 4 with the Christmas episodes, but it, right. it's, I've got it right now, 10 out of 12 on my 12 list. But it is in the bottom tier of three, which are pretty negotiable. So, For sure. Because I have the Valentines are pretty high on mine, but like like we were saying earlier, and I think you were a little shocked with with my ordering, but that's because those three Christmas episodes for me, the ranking they were two, three, and four. They were oh really creme de la creme. Yeah, they were all the way up there. The Christmas episodes to me were really high, and I will tip my hat because the only thing to me that was better, and you'll probably know what it is before I say it. Um, it was better than those Christmas episodes was epidemiology. Really? Okay. Epidemiology for me, and we'll, we can go into it because you compare it to other holiday episodes. I have epidemiology as my number three overall, but my number two Halloween episode. So. Oh, impressive. So I have it as my number one. <laughs> yeah, very close. This is, to me, and I was shocked because I didn't realize how I think... Even more so, because if you go high concept, anyone can be like, yeah, epidemiology or remedial chaos theory. I think remedial chaos theory is a little bit more like, oh, this is a new, that's breaking new ground. To me, epidemiology is the pinnacle of what this show can be. And because of that, like, because you have to think about when this aired. This was episode six of season two. Which is what, like, end of 2010? Yeah, this is early times. Like, I think as far as, like, high-concept episodes go, you would have had Paintball and you had had Scorsese and not much else. And I even think as far as execution goes, epidemiology, I hold that above first Paintball all day and night. This is even before the season two episodes get really intense. Like, this is before the bottle episode with the pens. is before conspiracy theories. And and this is when we did our bracket. Like, we did a, a 64 bracket of the best episode. And Remedial won because, of course, Remedial won. But... Number two for me, and we were all shocked it just kept going, was epidemiology. Because while the first paintball is cool and well and good, it's a great concept, you, you have the stakes there from the school, but what they didn't do to me, and, and this is more of a visual thing from a filmmaker aspect, they didn't fully commit. Like, as you're watching the first paintball, it's still shot like an episode of Community. Like, it's shot a little bit more chaotically and a little bit more action, but epidemiology looks like a fucking zombie movie. Like, the entire thing, the whole, the show looks different, the study room looks different, everything's dark, you have real zombies, and that's the thing too, like, talk about threading a moving needle at the speed of light, like, how do you make a full-blown zombie episode make sense in, like, this isn't Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, where this is just happening to one person, everybody's seeing this, they give the entire school amnesia, but somehow they still have a joke where they're throwing a cat in front of the camera and they really commit to it to the we, point we need where to deal with that before we move on I, but like that's how do you how do you get that but like the line from jeff still makes sense there's not one line 
in epidemiology that doesn't build or that doesn't like pay off in some way, shape or form. Like in the commentary, Dan Harmon talks about that. He's like, I've been wanting to do that joke for years, but it, it pays off like for a split second, for three seconds in the scope of that particular episode, the cat flying in front of them is more important than all of their classmates about to be brain dead from rabies. Like, and which, what, what other point of the show would that gag be more immediate than what's And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, yeah. and it, it, they have great payoffs. They have the I love you moment, which is a great Star Wars throwback. Like, it's the sexy Dracula. There, I'm gonna be a nerd. <laughs> the ABBA soundtrack. Like, to me, that is a perfect episode of television and especially it definitely increased my appreciation for ABBA by tenfold I would say roughly like (laughs) oh and going back and watching it like it's parts of it are genuinely terrifying like when they're like actually hunting people and ABBA's playing in the background you're kind of like oh god but 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 it actually happened and I think uh you and Matt and talked uh to Jay Chandrasekhar about this and he said like this is a zombie episode that it actually happened. It wasn't like a dream or exactly. like a, a trip. And, you know, it's like and you woke up at the end of the episode. Like this actually happened. Like in mm-hmm. canon. Like <laughs> in terms of the storyline, the events of that night, like they weren't a dream. They weren't made up. They weren't a bad trip. They weren't a fever yeah. dream. Like they, it happened, and it pays off. Not just within that episode, but later in the season when Troy gets the voicemail from Chang, who's like. Hey, Troy, uh, we're all going to die, but I slept with Shirley, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of ends up being mostly the main narrative that wraps up the season, right? Yeah, and and none of them remember because they all got dosed by the government. And, like, right. oh, it's so – and I love, like, throwing in Rich as a minor villain because well, Rich is so... my I, – I don't think we've gone down this road yet, but Rich is probably my favorite side character in the show. Oh, he's so funny where it's like – and he's talking with the dean like, oh, so many, <laughs> another person's sick. I think it could be food poisoning. And the dean's like, I love oh, what, what did he's... I tell you? To rule out food poisoning. <laughs> yes. And then things escalate to the point where he's like, okay. <laughs> food poisoning. <laughs> Slurred speech. Yes, and then he's, he's going through the symptoms of what happens and, and starts actually exhibiting them in real time. And then you see, there was another runner. And if we I hate about, it. I hate you less now that you're a zombie. Because you're a zombie. <laughs> I, it speaks more to Jeff's insecurities, for sure. There's Jeff, still cool as a zombie. Um... There was also a runner here, too, where it was, like, a lot of, and we'll get into it more with the Valentine's relationship, like, certain toxicity, like how Britta's mindset is so toxic that she doesn't tell everybody that she's been bitten. I was bit ten minutes ago, and I'm fried. Yeah, there's that scene where it almost looks like a competition of, like, uh, everyone who's been bitten is like, no, I've been fine for X minutes, and then they all fail Mm -hmm. simultaneously, or one after the other. It's that's you talk about like going back to episodes. I literally just reading epidemiology. Like I'm I'm thinking about George Takei's voiceover in the very beginning <sighs> of the episode. So good. Like, I wish my name was Kevin. Yeah, right. <laughs> because of that episode. <laughs> Kevin can't come to the phone right now. He's hanging. You're out welcome, with me, George Kevin, Takei. Kevin's <laughs> happy Halloween. I didn't know oh, I could do a George K. That's fun. No, that was really good. I, 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 we we might have to t- take advantage of that in the future. I, my mind oh, is already starting to. There is also an even. <laughs> there's here. even like the runners that come through this episode. Like I wrote this down. Like and they talk about it in the commentary. The dean getting kind of turned on by power, where like he he says like Alpha Foxtrot Zulu, like whatever it is, and they're like oh. Greendale Community College, and he's like yes, speaking. 
hi. I'm like, just so into it. No, it's a, it's a great episode for the Dean. It's it's a good episode for Chang. You know, Chang mm-hmm. is is funny and on point and not on his more Peggy uh, Fleming hard to digest side of Chang <laughs> that we see at other points in the show. Right. Uh, so yeah, no, I had epidemiology as my three. I had horror fiction in Seven Spooky Steps above it. Ooh, and curious. It's hard because. I feel like we couldn't have had that without epidemiology, right? Mm-hmm. So how can I rank that above it? But for me, that that's my favorite Halloween episode. There are no low points. There are no slow points. And it's nothing against epidemiology. But for me, uh, horror fiction to this sex is, is a nonstop, just absolute nothing but high heights. Um, I think every character, every character is at their absolute best in that episode you know even chang is good in that episode when he ends Mm -hmm. up being the kind of throwaway villain uh the dean who's not even really in the episode except for in the hallucinations you know gay marriage uh the pilates schedule (laughs) just just talking about shirley's whole thing that's my kind of pot shirley's is definitely my favorite of all the narratives within that show they're they're all i love every single one of them but shirley's is my favorite where all the cool you know uh, where all the good people get raptured to heaven, and the good news is you're the coolest people left on earth. Like everything about Shirley's story is my absolute favorite. But uh, kind of how you feel, real <laughs> quick, just to jump in, how you feel about regional holiday music, I think, is how I feel about horror fiction in Seven Spooky Steps, to where there are a lot of high highs, but especially because, and the reason it's it's lower on my list is because. The through line is what is one of our friends could be what is it borderline personality is that what oh and it, it has absolutely no effect on the actual storyline of the season or the show it is yeah, very much a one off episode that is just a pure guilty pleasure no 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 and that's why I do I like it a lot it's it's like smack in the middle of my lips but I but yeah no Abed's the only one who's actually sane is what we find yeah. out at the end but it's that's because. <laughs> Just how you're feeling about it, that's how I feel about it. Because I love all the stories, but as far as it's literally like little vignettes. Like to me, there's not like an overarching plot, which is why like those other ones, the Christmas ones are above it for me. Epidemiology is above it for me because like you said, they build into those stories. And I, I like horror fiction a lot, but it's the they're the little vignettes. Like the whole Abed's vignette is just so great because it's so banal and all the characters are so calculated. <laughs> and it's like, that's how Abed would do like, yeah. He's like, yeah, let's stand back to back holding knives in the middle of the room. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> According to the report, we heard <laughs> just not now. Heard, but not, just not just just now, but just they, now. they wouldn't turn it on. The part of the report being on, that's too convenient. But we'll skip that. I, I wrote down uh, feet hands. Feet hands. No, they're all they're all absolutely great. Pierce is good that episode. Shirt, like I said, Shirtley's is my favorite of all the narratives uh, of does. all the fictional narratives. I also wrote down this is the because um, I think I might have mentioned it before, but this is actually the calling out of the using the word using the name Britta as a verb. Yes, and yes. Like, I love I Britta, the Britta. Yeah, the but I, I love her acknowledging it in the beginning of the episode, and Jeff not even trying to cover. It. That was one of my favorite jokes. Where she's like, "Wait a minute, are people using my name to mean a small mistake?" Yes, <laughs> like he doesn't even try to avoid it. But then, like, 
let's not make the Brita of Brita-ing our friends. And, and then I wrote down the other ones, like, way to pull an Abed and then surely don't pierce. It's like, that's how <laughs> meta you've gotten to where you're using your characters' names as verbs. Yeah, I can't even, I can't even unpack the last, like, two levels of that, so. <laughs> oh, and yeah, and then the, de- you're so right, the Dean is so great as the devil, it makes me so happy. <laughs> Gay marriage. That is what, I mean, I, I can't think of a time that I don't like the Dean, which is yeah. not something I can say for every character of the show, but that is absolutely one of the high highest heights for me in the entire show for the Dean is that episode, is even it? though he's he's only in it for like 90 seconds. Oh, yeah, but exactly. every second of that 90 seconds he appears in that episode is absolute top tier. Like. For a, 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 just a base point of comparison, would you put his appearance in this, this episode above or below the payday rap? Oof. Uh, in total, I would put it above. Ooh, uh, okay. And I, I'm absolutely huge fan of the payday rap, but I think this has uh, more content uh, okay. in, in total, to be honest, even though maybe time-wise it's not that much more. No, it's probably not um, But no, that, that that's actually also a, a, an absolute high point for him. I, I so, love yeah. that he, he Was, scares himself <laughs> how, yeah, how committed he got. Barack Obama is a scam to me. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Yeah, so good. Is there anything else on your list that you would like to bring up and talk about? Because I, 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 so wanna... I don't think we diverged uh, too much here. Like I said, I had kind of broken things up into four tiers. My bottom tier is uh, Intro to Knots, Science of Illusion, and Cooperative Escapism, which I don't think is a huge surprise. I will say out of the three holiday episodes in season four, Paranormal Parentage is my favorite. It's an episode yep, we haven't talked about yet. While don't have it ranked above the other Halloween episodes, I really, really, I, I, I might say it's my favorite episode of season four. Um, I was, and yeah, no, which I'm, is I'm something I can't say about the other Halloween episodes. The, none of them are the my favorite episode of that season, except for Paranormal Parentage, I think. Ooh, I would have to look at season two to see if anything would be above Epidemiology. Oh, but no, I'm get out of here. <laughs> I, I, of season two? I, it's a maybe. It's, it's like it's like maybe. five at best. Ooh, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's you, nothing you, against it. You heard it. You heard. I love Epidemiology. But I will say, because uh, I'm glad you brought that up, because that is something. Uh, that's, that's the one I had highest from season four as well, Paranormal Parentage. I think there are, looking just at the writer and director, Written by Megan Gans and directed by Tristram Shapiro. So I think you have, yeah, you have two veterans from the first two seasons, three seasons. And I think it is the closest we get to a season two or three episode in season four. It just, it hits all the notes for me. Like just from the very beginning, Annie not getting the ring girl joke. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) the first time I saw that, I I jumped. (laughs) Like I actually had like a jump scare (laughs) when Annie came on screen at the ring girl. (laughs) But the whole thing pays off. I love that it was Calvin and Hobbes, the kind of Scooby-Doo mystery. Like, Pierce is fine in that episode. And, like, Pierce doesn't age well in the series, um, you know, especially in seasons, you know, season four. But mm-hmm. Pierce is great in that episode. He's fine. We get, we get a little bit of Gilbert, not too much. It's not forced. Uh, I really, really, really like that episode. Like I said it, it might, in fact... I, I'm not gonna say 100, percent but it, it it it's very much in the discussion. If it's not my favorite episode from season four, I agree. I think it's way up there for the season four episode. You know, that being said, I still have it as my last ho- my my last ranked Halloween episode. But that is is absolutely nothing against it. And then we didn't really get to unpack 
and I'm kind of glad about that because, uh, like I said, you know, February is not that far along. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. we can do a, a, a deep dive here in the Valentine's Day episodes. But uh, communication studies is really high for me. I have it in my second tier. Um, I had it as my number five overall. I it had maybe it as doesn't. My six doesn't have a high heights but uh i absolutely love the storyline uh, i feel like you know slater's great in that episode i love uh, britta paying off uh you know all, all the drunk stuff i love that entire thing uh them committing to, it's a great episode for me and then early 21st century romanticism uh another valentine's day episode i have i, I do have in my third tier but i will say Aside even from how much I do enjoy the episode itself, uh, you know, with Troy and Abed trying to date the same librarian, mm-hmm. um, and that episode actually, a lot of people think that this episode starts out with BNL. That's actually after the opening credits. Like it starts out with them yelling books and trying to date this girl. Another one. Uh, of my favorite but shows. but but what? when they come back, it's the BNL scene where. Yeah. Jeff is arguing with his study group about Pierce taking pills, and it turns into a fight about the Britain Naked Ladies. I know, I love it And so much. that is probably my all-time number one favorite, I will say, opening scene, even though we've already established it's technically post-credits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely all-time favorite, like, you know, opening study room bit, 100%. It's, uh, it's so great. The Britain Naked Ladies are yes. triple platinum. Are you? Dude, they are fundamental. I love the Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, no surprise. Uh, listeners of the show uh, may or may not have realized our new introduction is uh, The Old Apartment, which is a Bare Naked Ladies song. My version yeah. of it, playing it on guitar, you know, over all the quotes and stuff. But they are very close to my heart. I absolutely love that. Um, the episode is good in and of itself, but if, if we were just ranking these episodes off the first five minutes of the show, mm-hmm. this would probably be my number one. Yeah, that was, I wrote that down, and we can get into it more when we talk about it for Valentine's, but that was one of the rare instances where there is a full-blown A, B, and C storyline. Yeah, that, that episode goes very deep. Mm-hmm. It was also the first appearance of Magnitude. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. <laughs> no, no, that whole thing. Yeah, it, you're right. Even the, the other storylines are great outside of the intro um, and the actual dance itself. You know, you've got Jeff and Duncan and Chang trying to move in with Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of having that impromptu party where all the kind of B characters from Greendale show up. You've got Leonard and Starburns is is the pizza hookup that Chang calls. Yeah. And you get Magitude. Oh, I wish I could think of all the names now. Uh, uh, when they're all Glisten, leaving the apartment and Swizzle. Jeff is listing them off. Yes, yes. <laughs> Swizzle. Uh-huh. They said uh, some of those were actually alts for Magnitude's character's name. Uh, listen, <laughs> they were listen all just rejected ideas for Magnitude. Yeah. <laughs> well, they had extras for all of them because they were. He he was definitely referring to actual people on screen as they were leaving his apartment one by oh, yeah. one during during that string of joke names. So, yeah, it's yeah there's a lot there. there. Both both the Valentines ranked pretty high on my list too. So, yeah, that's crazy. I can't believe we've already, we've gone like almost an hour and a half talking about this already. And I feel like we've barely scratched the surface of some of these holiday episodes. I'm glad we did get to really get into the Christmas ones. Mm -hmm. You know, there there was a little disagreement, you know, at the top. But like I said, and I think you agreed with, you know, those those top three Christmas episodes for Community are all so strong. Oh, yeah. Seasons one, two, and three. There's just, there's not a lot of distance between them, however you have them ranked. Um, Yep. 
and I would be really surprised to hear, you know, I mean, you know, there's always a dissenting opinion for everything, but it'd be pretty shocking to hear someone, I think, straight too far from that. Rip intro to knots. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you had a, uh, a tall hill to climb. Yeah. Oh, no, I, no, I never had a chance. But, oh, no, uh, agreed. So, yeah, this, this isn't a bracket. We don't have to officially crown a champion, but it was really nice to get to um, unpack all of these holiday episodes here with you before i wrap things up do you have any uh uh, parting shots or advice uh you know anything you want to say about these christmas or holiday episodes it's a great kind of just collection of how far and how just the type of stories that the show can communicate to you and i think it's it's a good little microcosm of just how good the show is you can go all over the place from what have you in season four to how well everything is told in seasons one through three like it's it's just nice to be able to look back especially because holidays nostalgic yeah it's just it's it's like visiting an old friend and being like god you're just as cool as i remember well said my friend well said All right. Well, I think we will wrap that up there, Dan. Thank you. This has been amazing. I didn't of plan course. on talking to you for this long. We normally try to stay a little more succinct, but I, I don't feel like we wasted any of the space oh, yeah. here. It was close enough. An absolute joy getting to unpack all these episodes, and you know, like we teased a few times, I think there's definitely still room to uh, unpack some of these Valentine's Day episodes more in depth here um, in a few months. And, uh, yeah, we will go from there. So uh, thank you, Dan. We will talk to you soon. Thank you, sir.